Today we're going to be talking about an obvious question that always comes after our, our time of 21 days of, of uh, fasting and prayer is where to from here. It, I mean, it's a legitimate question. Where do, we go, where do we go to from here? I want to read something that was sent to me this week uh, that I think is a good way to introduce uh, this, uh, this thinking of where do we go from here. This will kind of set the stage just a little bit. Chris Myrie sent this to me. He said, uh, as he was quoting a man named Brian Zahn, I don't know who that is, but he has a good quote here. He said, the most needed theological correction for American evangelicals at the moment is to learn to see America is not, or is, is to learn to see America not as a kind of biblical Israel, but as a kind of biblical Babylon. Once we see America as a kind of Babylon, a superpower that seeks to encroach upon the sovereignty of God, then we can learn to live as faithful exiles in an idolatrous culture. This is the lesson set forth in the book of Daniel. So clearly he was preaching out of Daniel. It was also the experience of the, yearly Christ, of the early Christians in the Roman Empire. By virtue of their baptism, they became exiles in the land of their birth. Their total fealty was pledged to Christ alone. Allegiance to empire was incompatible with their Christian confession. Where do we go to from here? We are in a time of great change. I will go ahead and say that I believe that we are under the judgment of God as a nation. That doesn't mean that I think Jesus is going to come back soon. I think he will be coming soon. But I also think that America could very, could very likely be a, a wasteland of comfort, lack of comfort, for quite some time before that happens. Again, I don't think that the Lord coming of the Lord is that far away. But we have to just we have to wrestle with the fact that what we're seeing happen in our country for our sins, for our egregious behavior. This quote from this man is so true that we have to see ourselves as exiles in a land that has now changed and is fighting against God. Unless you think I'm talking about conservative and liberal, I'm talking about Christian versus the world. Okay? I, I've, I've jokingly referred to my inner patriot before. That it has to finally surrender to the new man of Jesus in me. And I am grateful that the Lord has been dealing with me in that. I am resigned to the fact that while I may be an American, I am a Christian. First and foremost, I will give my life for my Lord. I will go to His truth. I will go toward Him. Which quite uh, consequently is the very last point that I want to make today is where do we go to from here? We go toward Jesus. In everything we do. And, and if my country isn't going to go toward Jesus, I will go. And we will go. 
And if that puts me on a collision course with them, so be it. The Roman, the, the Christians in the Roman Empire, they went through it. And all through the rest of the faithful, you get into the remnant of the Old Testament, they did it. Some of them even found themselves hidden in caves that God had reserved that hadn't bowed their knee to Baal. And Baal takes on many forms and fashions. So what I would like to do first then is to just kind of give you under this question of where do we go from here, I'm going to give you seven just kind of obvious directions, okay? First and foremost, number one, we go to prayer. I've been praying about things this week that have just been exploding before me. And many of you have been telling me things about things you've been praying about that have been exploding before you. And we are a dichotomy to ourselves sometimes for we say we believe in the prayer of prayer but then we get, we get well, disillusioned with praying sometimes because I think it doesn't happen very fast. But here's what I want to say. Where do we go from here? We go to prayer. Prayer is the indispensable discipline that God has gifted us to pour out our hearts to seek for wisdom and to praise His sovereign keeping in our lives. That's what prayer is. Prayer is our lifeline to the throne room. There is no more powerful place in all of creation or existence than than the throne room where God sits. You have to get the imagery of a court of a king. I often think of the book of Esther and how before she went before the king, if she weren't invited and she just went, she could be killed because she wasn't summoned. And he had to hold out the scepter and then she could draw near the throne in the court and speak. It's a hallowed place. How much more the throne room of heaven where the book of Hebrews tells us that we can come near with confidence to find grace to help in time of need. This is 24 hours a day, 7 days a week and all the nanoseconds of your life. Philippians chapter 4 then. I'm going to read out of a new version that it's just a paraphrase I've been looking at sometimes because of... uh, Well, it just kind of puts things a little different. This is Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. And when I say it puts things a little different, it doesn't change the meaning, but it's simply a paraphrase to try to capture the thought behind the verbs that the Greek is trying to illustrate. Now, it says this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7 in the contemporary English version. Hear me when I say, you do not want to ever use a paraphrase as your main source of study from the Word. You need a literal translation. But should you get hung up sometimes reading your literal translation, it's very helpful to read a a paraphrase. I love this. Listen to this. Don't worry about anything. (laughs) But pray about everything. With thankful hearts, offer up your prayers and request to God. Then, because you belong to Christ Jesus, God will bless you with peace that no one can completely understand. And this peace, I love this part, 
And this peace will control the way you think and feel. To hearken back to what I said at the opening of service today, I don't get that when I read the news. I, I, I do struggle with how I think and feel, but I don't get peace. Well, you know, sometimes Brian goes to work over there and he calls me, Mickey, my thumb hurts. I said, why? Because I hit it with a hammer all the time. Well, stop it, Brian. Okay. No, that doesn't happen at all. But he's just always willing to be a sacrificial analogy for me. <laughs> so, <laughs> give Travis a break today. <laughs> but we do things sometimes because we get in a pattern of thinking. It could be that some of you feel so much better because of what you've eliminated out of your, out of your diet through the fasting. It begs the question, why put it back? Because I just love to feel bad, you know. And this peace will control the way you think and feel. Now, how you think and feel will determine how you react and respond. I believe sometimes that the devil will preload the cannon of our soul if he can. The soul is the is the place of the mind, the emotions, and the will. If you go out angry and you're trying to stuff it down because you read some news article that you don't know is true or not, nothing you can do about it, and somebody gets in your face or someone does or said something to you, you could explode. It's a setup, man. Go back to this. And this peace will control the way you think and feel. What peace? The peace of the Holy Spirit of God. That is total truth. Number two, where do we go to from here? Well, along with prayer, we go to patience. I'll never forget, I've told you this story before, and if I stay here another 10 or 15, 20 years, and I don't aim to quit, by the way, I, I plan on staying here until you run me off or I die, in which case with the Kelly family history, Paul, you die. Okay, so uh, we were building fence in the hot Oklahoma sun, Dad was running the front end loader and I had the sleeve to go over the T-post and every time he'd put one down, it'd just bend. It'd just bend. It'd just bend. The ground was so hard because it's Oklahoma red clay. Down in the bottom of that creek and there's no wind. And he's like, you know, and that means all kinds of things, okay, and farmer talk. It's not pretty. And I'm like, you know, and it's very frustrating. And there was this young boy there that was helping us. His name was Heath. He's sweating. We were just red and sweaty and and for whatever reason, when dad was doing this, that finger says a lot. And I was like, that says a lot. He said, huh, patience. Uh, patience is a virtue, except it if you can. Often in a woman, seldom in a man. <laughs> and I looked at Heath and I'm like, shut up. <laughs> You're just a boy. <laughs> He only said it once, and I have never forgot it. <laughs> Funny how you hang things, but patience. Very often, when we pray, we grow impatient with God in waiting for His answer. Amen? By the way, amen means we agree. A lack of patience causes us to lose heart, and consequently in our prayer life, we, send, we tend to lose motivation. 
Now, there's, there's, there's nothing worse than being uh, demotivated, if you will, to have your motivation removed. Patience. And right now, we live in a world that is just pulling on every thread of our sweaters. Everywhere you look, every turn you make, you're faced with the grim reality of where we are. But don't get your commentary from the world. They lie about other things too. Turn to your Bibles and know that God has the ability and the promise to keep us not from trial, but in it. It's not new to the Christian faith. In fact, as JT has said, it's very unusual, this Christian experience in America, where we're used to be celebrated. And pastors were like, oh, he's a minister. Welcome, come in, have some tea and a crumpet. And everyone's invited. The church... But that, that has gone. That has gone away. It's going to cost us something. I believe that God is challenging us to take these theories that we know of the faith and prepare for hard days. Where we have to stand up under trial to say, I believe in Jesus Christ. I will not bow down to you. Take my life. Lock me up. As a Christian... How many of you watched the Sheep Among Wolves video yet? few of you did. The Iranian Christian lady said, If I go to prison, I go to prison. What's 50 years of life to me compared to eternity? Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8, if you will. Luke 18, 1 through 8. Now we're talking about patience and we're relating it to prayer because I kind of believe that patience that we exude or the, the patience that we exhibit is oftentimes a reflection of what we really believe about prayer and how much time we've spent there. Okay? Because Jesus says in Luke 18, verse 1, then he spoke a parable to them that men, now notice this, always ought to pray and not lose heart you see the bible says that the lord knows what we have need of before we even ask and he's already telling his disciples now i'm going to tell you a parable and the problem is you guys pray but you lose heart he says uh, and we've pre i've preached through this some time ago there was a certain judge a city a city where a judge who did not fear god nor regard man and there was a widow in that city and she came to him saying get justice for me from my adversary and he would not for a while but afterward he said within himself though I do not fear God nor regard man Jesus was just kind of insinuating this man was a hard case yet because this widow troubles me I will avenge her lest by her continually coming paraphrase MGK version she'll drive me insane okay just I'm going to give her justice so she'll leave me alone okay and then the Lord said, hear what the unjust said, just said, and shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. 
And then he finishes with, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Or, if you want to, there's a definite article that's stuffed in there. Sometimes it's called the faith. Will he really find the faith on the, er- on the earth? What does the Lord see in me when he sees me pray, but then I lose heart? Why do I lose heart? Because I get impatient. We live in a now culture. We can change our, our, our reality in, a, in the blink of a swipe. Blink of a, in a swipe. Okay? We can, we can change the channel. We can change, we can change our names. We can change our gender. We can change our political affiliation. But we can't change our soul. Only God can. And we're called to a higher way of living. And, and we're empowered to do it. And prayer is that vehicle which gets us before God. How many of you would be willing to raise your hand that you struggle sometimes in praying? It's like picking up a 400-pound barbell at 47. It doesn't work out. Used to. It used to work out. Things just stretch. Nothing goes up. Okay? I don't want to be the man whom the Lord sees with a legacy of losing heart. My job is to shepherd my family. First. You guys come second. My job is to keep my sin life at bay by by being close to Jesus so that I can give wisdom, counsel, so that I can go and ask for forgiveness and keep humility so that I can walk the line that my Lord commands so that when I die, they'll miss me a lot, right? But so that there's a legacy of faith that builds them up so that the Bible I leave behind may be of some benefit to them because they can thumb through it and see the notes and the dates and said, ah, that's how it worked. Prayer is the grout that holds those things together. Number three, we go to the promises. Now, this is wonderful. Where do we go to from here? Notice, notice the sequential uh, uh, forward momentum. We start in prayer. We have to have patience. We go to the promises because something that will motivate you should be the promises of God. The world is so silly because they say they don't believe in absolute truth on one hand and then fight about the fact that no one wants to believe it the way they say it inciting that they do believe in absolute truth. So we go to the promises. The promises of God are the indisputable anchors for our souls. Imagine a a ship tossed about in an ocean. And you have a shallow bottom in that ocean, which is the most dangerous kind. Man, give me all the anchors you got. I need stability. The promises of God are stability. The anchors for our souls. I throw out one at the stern. I throw out one at the keel. I throw out one starboard. And then the other side. That, thank you. 
I throw them out where I can have them. And, and, and with God and his promises, I got enough to go all the way around four, four or five times or more. They're infinite, actually, but they're very spelled out clearly. So these anchors are for our souls, and what God promises, he fulfills. We can live on the promises of God. We can live there. God's promises are absolute. And I'll just, I, I started off with one. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. There's a caveat with there, with that promise. Purge your heart, you sinners. And, and there's more that goes with it, but the idea is get your sin out of the way. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, I'm going to read out of the, this time, I'm going to read out of the NLT. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ, and I love that, this, but with a resounding yes. You want to know what God's promised you? Yes. That's the answer. And through Christ, I love this, our only response can be amen, which means yes, that's right. And this that we give, it says, ascends to God for His glory. Just to read it without interrupting it. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ are amen, which means yes, ascends to God for His glory. I'll just go on and it, and it says it is God who enables us along with you, Paul's writing, to stand firm for Christ. You want to stand firm in this weird and wacky world we live in? You need to have a stable footing. And Jesus is the footing. Because in Him are all the promises guaranteed to us in Christ. To which we can say, Amen. Thank you, Lord. If I need to draw near, and I don't feel like I'm drawing near, it isn't you, it's me. There have been stories of missionaries, and I can't remember all the names because my mind is really just weak. It's, it's got Teflon on it and nothing sticks. Slides right off. Okay. But I've read the chunks, and these missionaries and these ministers even would, 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 would be in such a desperate frame that they needed to hear from God that they would lock themselves in their studies until God answered and instruct their wives, just bring the food to the door and slide it under. Have you ever done anything like that? I have not. But why wouldn't I? We say, oh, oh, I'm so desperate for this to be fixed. Well, have you been praying? Well, you know, I do, I pray. Come on. How, how many people here take medicine every day? That's what I thought. We're, we're sick bunch. Okay. What about a vitamin? That doesn't count as much, but you know. Why, why do you take your medicine every day? I'll, I'll use me. I take one pill for arthritis. I do. One in the morning and one in the evening. Ain't we got fun? And I'll take it. 
do you know what happens if I don't take it? I begin to seize up. Things just hurt a lot. And I'm like, well, that's dumb. Why don't I take my medicine? Well, sometimes I just, you know, I just, just uh, it's so hard. I don't want to. That's my body. My body affects the way I feel, which can then in turn go inwardly to my soul to project and affect how I think because we are a tripart uh, person, the soul, the body, and the spirit. Could be that some of you are in such a bad way because the way you eat or the way you live or the way you take care of your body is affecting the way you think, which consequently goes down into the way you interact with God sometimes. But if I don't take my medicine, I get hurt. Why would you not take and devour the promises of God every day? Why would you not spend time in the Word faithfully every day? There are places in the world, Cuba was one, they came through and they confiscated all the Bibles. They had them for so long. And then they came and confiscated them, put them in piles and burned them. Live on the promises. Standing on the promises of God. Number four, you need to go to perseverance. You know, patience and perseverance kind of are married together. You need the promises of God to have patience and to persevere, do you not? Yes, yeah. right. Listen to this. Life is lived in the day-to-day, in case you didn't know that. The greatest enemy, the most subtle foe for the determined saint is right now. I think Kim McHenry said at one time, the tyranny of the urgent. Discouragement can come in an instant. We must have perseverance. We cannot attain to godliness without perseverance. This is in 2 Peter chapter 1, if you will. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance. And then to perseverance, godliness. And, and I think it finishes elsewhere. Godliness with contentment is great gain. If you want to be content, be godly. In other words, I like this, this verb perseverance because in the Greek, it's a compound word, hupo, which is to kind of be under, and mone, which is to remain, to be under and remain, perseverance. It's an incredible thing. Patient, enduring. If you aren't having a trial, just wait a few days and then you'll have one. Uh, But are you prepared for those in a godly way? Oftentimes, trials are given, I believe, by God to test us to see what's in our heart. He does test us. He left 
certain peoples in the land to test the children of Israel because there was a generation that grew up that had quickly forgot what Joshua had left for them to do. And it was to prove and to test them. You never know what kind of tea you have until you put it in hot water. And many times we are disappointed in how we respond. Reading in one of my textbooks for school, and thank God I'm in my last class, and I'll be able to write my project finally. Got approval for that, so that's good. But in this class, it's about innovations in ministry, and it's just about how to be a better pastor. If you want to display godly character in the public, then work on displaying godly character in the private. When you're working in your shop by yourself or working at your grill and no one's there but you, and you miss the nail and hit your finger instead, or you have the the tri-tip and it slides off the pan onto the cement where the dog just was sitting. Could happen. Don't go... Pull a Steve Martin. Don't do that. If you're going to do it then, you're probably going to do it out there. Because what you practice in private, you show in public. These are things I've had to take to heart. Perseverance. Patient. Enduring. Number five. This is kind of a a no-brainer, but where do we go to from here? We go to work. We go to work. Let us never confuse the work we do for money and the work we do for the Lord and His kingdom. In fact, let us reconcile the two as one complete service held in trust by His divine sovereignty and purpose for our life. Do you see your occupation and your walk with God as a plan of God and purpose for your life. That's going to require humility. That's going to require patient enduring. And it's going to require you to work. Colossians chapter 3, if you will. And you don't have to turn there if you get confused. I'd rather you pay attention than try to get lost finding the pages. That's why you should have a Bible with thumb tabbies like I do. Colossians chapter 3. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. I'm going to read again. Colossians chapter 3 verse 23. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. If you're in an occupation and you're a child of God, I want to give you something to remember. You may hate your job, and I've had jobs I've hated. That was God's will. He is a sovereign king. He's perfect in the power he keeps. If he doesn't ever fail to feed the sparrows, he's not going to fail to feed you. And if he has you there, it's for a purpose. 
And it's your sanctification that's being tested and tried. Give in. Humble yourself. Lean into it. And do it heartily as to the Lord. You say, well, all I do is maybe I just milk cows. Then you milk that cow for Jesus. You don't understand my manager. The man's a devil. Then pray for his deliverance and serve Jesus. Resist the anger that wells up in you and know that God may be dealing with him, but he's going to be dealing with you more. Because your faith is more precious than gold refined in the fire. If you can't stand in that day, how are you going to stand in the evil day? We all hate to have trials. And we're all like water. We always go to the path of least resistance, which is usually downhill. We don't want to be unstable. We need to be resolved, come what may. This is why we have the brotherhood. I want to just put in a plug for Sunday school here. You say, why in the world do you want to do that? Because the, 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 the amount of, of interaction with your brethren and the realities and applications of life around the Scripture, they're invaluable to you. It's good you come to worship service. Yeehaw! But if you really want to get down in, in, in getting healing for your life, go to Sunday school too. In fact, take advantage of every ministry the church has to offer because I'm going to tell you, we're, we're approaching a time when it won't be here like this anymore. If this COVID thing has proven anything, it's proven that things can change really quick in ways you would have never dreamed before. So pay attention. We got extra rooms. I got a hymn. Okay? And that's not meaning like in a her too. I just have a H-Y-M in. 615. To the work. This out, this out of the old book. Okay? To the work. To the work. We are servants of God. Let us follow the path that our master has trod with the balm of his counsel, our strength to renew. Let us do with our might what our hands find to do. And all you do, do hardly to the Lord. Toiling, 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 toiling on. Let us hope, let us watch and labor till the Master comes. I'll go the last stanza. To the work, to the work, in the strength of the Lord, and a robe and a crown shall our labor reward. When the home of the faithful our dwelling shall be, and we shout with the ransom, salvation is free. Toiling, toiling on, toiling on. Let us hope and trust. Let us watch and pray and labor till the Master has come. Number six. Where do we go after we go to work? We go to victory, man. We go to victory. In case you haven't noticed, this is a progressive move, this thing called Christianity. And we come to Christ by faith. We confess our sin. He becomes Lord of our life and we begin to be renewed in His image, there's one ending. It's called glorification. I know, I know where I'm going. And I can't wait to get there. But I got a work to do. Until then, we go to victory. In Jesus Christ, our victory is certain. Because, because His victory is absolute. Do not let yourselves forget That our victory over sin and hell is an already realized fact. 
Go in this victory. Go towards victory. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. And just so happens, got any teenagers here with Nikes on? Anybody got any Nikes on today? Oscar, you got Nikes on. See the swoosh? If, you, if you've got the swoosh on your shoosh, okay, I need you to know that means victory, because Nike is a Greek word, Nike, and it means victory. So maybe if you need a reminder when you're in a hard time and you've got Nikes on, just look at your shoe. Okay? God has given you victory to walk in. It just works, man. Okay? I got another hymn. It's the last hymn for this one. Hymn 413. That's why it's good to keep a hymnal by, your, by where you do your quiet time. Faith is the victory. Encamped along the hills of light, ye Christian soldiers rise and press the battle. Are, and, and, and press the battle ere the night shall veil the glowing skies. Against foe and veils below, let all our strength be hurled. Faith is the victory we know that overcomes the world. And I'm going to go with the last verse, okay? To him who overcomes, the foe white raiment shall be given. Before the angels he shall know his name confessed in heaven. Then on onward from the hills of light, our hearts with love aflame will vanquish all the hosts of night in Jesus' conquering name. Victory. Nike, walk in it. Lastly, and the most obvious place of where do we go to from here? We go towards Jesus. We go to Jesus. Every day we wake up, we go to Jesus. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28. I really wish I could preach for like hours and just not stop. Because, you know. But Matthew, they, I, don't, I think you're in a short supply there. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 29. Matthew eleven twenty-eight and 29. Jesus says something that we all need to be reminded of. Come to me. All you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, and I, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I've read this so many times, but I've never known that in the Greek, there is a word that is used that really means it's an imperative adverb and it sounds like this dute it's not like duty like my duty but it's dute it's an imperative adverb and when Jesus says come to me here's what it is come exclamation point gotcha (laughs) it means come here right now with urgency Jesus is saying, and I can just picture him in amongst the crowds, come! And he's motioning in, you come! You're tired, you're you're heavy laden, you're bowed down with misery. Come and, 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 and take my yoke and I'll give you rest for your souls. And for those of you who are trying to become perfect without Jesus, stop it. You will never make it. Surrender. 
to Jesus. For those of you who do know Jesus but have somehow confused law and grace, go the way of grace. He's paid the fine for you. Remember, that's how you're saved in the first place. Live in it. You're a sinner. Don't presume upon his grace. Just trust Jesus and rest. Come aside and rest for a while. The question was asked, where do we go from here? Well, the answer is we go to Jesus. If you're looking for a direction, now this is important, you might want to remember this. If you're looking for a direction, if you're seeking for a path, then choose the one that will take you closer to Jesus. Proverbs 14.12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Three things. Never allow that which appeals to the flesh to be the litmus test for something being right for you. Did you? I'll say it again. Never allow that which appeals to the flesh to be the litmus test for something being right for you. Never, this is another never, accept in finality any advice from a non-believer or a Christian who does not listen to and read their Bibles. Never do that. Number three, this is important. Do not ever presume upon grace in making a decision, if you know you are willfully ignoring the word, prayer, and faith. That which is not from faith is sin. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith is that which we live in. Some decisions seem good and right and they seem equal, but upon further review through prayer, through the word, through faith, you'll know which one's going to take you closer to Jesus. So where do we go from here? Man, we go to Jesus. Come here. Come here. If you don't know Jesus today, the Bible says in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Do you know Him today? Do not turn Him away. Be saved today. Surrender to Him and trust Him today. I'm going to have JT come and we're going to have a time of response just for a few minutes. I'll be available at the front for a bit the altar is open to, pray, to pray. The altar is open to confess. The altar is where, where you are. Cry out to the Lord and, and respond to what He's telling you to do. Christian, you only have a little bit of time left to walk in this freedom of yours. You ready? As JT leads, you come.